I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in everybody to the Monday edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. Clay and I together here in Palm Beach area. Oh my got a lot to talk to you about. I know it's a holiday for some of you. Play it is not a holiday for us. We it have, is not. We have much to discuss with all the folks all across the country. We've got the first layer of crackdown, if you will, the first uh, salvo from Justin Trudeau's anti-trucker shock troops in Ottawa. Friday it started, more of it over the weekend on Saturday. There's still something of a protest, but they're squeezing it out in Ottawa. What do we take from this what have we learned about the canadian government and all the lockdowners and and mandate proponents in that whole process much of the world is uh, waiting as we figure out if there's actually going to be a russian invasion of ukraine it's looking more likely over the last few days it has gone back and forth clan i'll break that down for you plus some of the reporting on how this could be massive and very ugly very violent very quickly can Biden pull off a last-minute diplomatic save? I don't think Kamala can. And if you hear what she had to say about this, Clay, oh, my. Um, there might be a reason the Russians are feeling pretty full of their stuff. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a few moments. But first here, I, I saw this headline, and uh, Clay and I started talking about it last night. You, you, you can make this stuff up, folks. The CDC, this is a big story for you today. The CDC isn't publishing large portions of the COVID data it collects. Now, you might think that must be some kind of right-wing substack on someone's.com they're running from. No, that is the New York Times headline on this. The subheading is the agency has withheld critical data. It's the New York Times, everybody, on boosters, hospitalizations, and until recently, wastewater analysis. Now, Clay, we could do the we were right dance here because we've been talking about the hiding of data, particularly in hospitalizations for a long time. But can I just give you one one data point from this one? And you tell me what you what you think is going on here. 
The CD, this is a quote from the article. When the CDC published the first significant data on the effectiveness of boosters in adults younger than 65 two weeks ago, it left out the numbers for a huge portion of that population, 18 to 49-year-olds, the group least likely to benefit from extra shots because the first two doses already left them well protected. I think this, what do you think's going on here? I think that the clear data here is going to reflect that as we have been saying for years now, really, that there's not any real need for young people to be getting COVID shots at all. And if they're not sharing that 18 to 49 data, and by the way, that's a pretty broad definition of young, right? And and also a huge percentage of the overall American population. Note, we're also not getting great data on kids, people who are zero to 18. And what the CDC has done is shameful in so many respects, Buck, because at least for a long time, pre-COVID, I don't know that we all spent a lot of time distrusting the CDC. And I don't know in the years ahead how they are ever going to be able to rebuild their legitimate public authority for huge populations in the United States because of what I believe has been actual misinformation that they have put out. And and the biggest question here to me, Buck, remains we mandated Joe Biden attempted to mandate, but certainly we did basically everything we could as a country to insist that people consume a for profit businesses drug that was newly created. And we minted billionaires, many of them based on this. And now we're trying to give them an annuity for years to come where we continue to try to force people to get shots that, frankly, the vast majority of them don't need. You also have the CDC straight up telling people, Clay, in this article. I mean, this this is the kind of thing we've been saying all along. And it's not surprising because if we go back to the origins, people would ask, you know, how, how do guys like you and me, how do we know early on that Fauci was full of it, to put it nicely? It, it is completely uh, unethical and inexcusable for a public health official to lie to the public because he thinks the lie is good for them. Yes, that is that is absolutely inexcusable. Fauci in the beginning of the pandemic, March of 2020, said masks don't do anything. And then he turned around very quickly and said, actually, they do do things. And I only was telling you they don't work before because I didn't want all the good masks to run out. Yes. was The fact that people accepted this ever, I was mind blown. And then when I found out that he was calling Chris Cuomo every night when he had called, are you okay, Chris? Are you, do you have a fever? Chris Cuomo was going to be fine. All right. Of there course. Were thousands and thousands of yes. seniors who were in hospitals that could have used some actual attention from the federal health bureaucracy on their plight. But instead he's calling. Anyway, here's the piece. Here's from this piece, Clay. Kristen Nordland, a spokeswoman for the CDC, said the agency has been slow to release the streams of data. Because basically, at the end of the day, it's not yet ready for prime time. Another reason is fear that the information might be misinterpreted. (laughs) This is in the New York Times piece. Uh, Clay, they're holding back hospitalization and vaccine efficacy and virus level and wastewater for our benefit because we might misinterpret it. People should be losing their minds over this. And... As a result of the data they're not sharing, we're actually making decisions based on Israeli data, which we've talked about with Berenson and on this show for a long time. 
that the incompetence here is so staggering that we are using another country's data to try to determine what the right decisions to make are for the United States. And I got to give Alex Berenson credit. And I think we're going to talk with him on Friday because, Buck, he said several months ago what would have sounded crazy because almost all of his conspiracy theories end up coming true. But, Buck, what did he say? He said they're not telling us the truth as it pertains to the overall data surrounding Omicron, surrounding Delta, infection rates, hospitalization rates, vaccine rates, all of that. And we still don't have it. And now it appears we're basically going to go through because we're coming up on the two year anniversary of 15 days to stop the spread. Two years for a federal agency not to have reliable data that they can release to everyone is inexcusable. Someone and many people, frankly, should be losing their jobs and this entire CDC should have to be remade. It's amazing that this is reported on now when just to keep it, this keeps in line with what we've been seeing. This has really been known for it's not like the CDC just decided to withhold this data, but it now feels safe for some of the journalistic entities out there. Because remember what happened here for for everyone listening, you recall this. There was a whatever we have to do to get the narrative in a place where people will comply. And this is where this notion of public health officials lying for your benefit became acceptable, yeah. right? Because if we just got to get everyone to get the shot was their attitude. And by the way, as many shots as we say they need to get over time, nothing else mattered. You were not allowed to have the actual data. Imagine for a moment that this, take it out of the realm of vaccines, that the government said, you know, we, we're going to have you take some kind of a pharmaceutical uh, and you see all the pharmaceutical commercials on TV, you know, could cause and they run through 50 different symptoms. We're going to give you a pharmaceutical. It's going to be great for you. It's going to prevent some disease, but we're not actually going to let you know what the real data is. We're not going to share the real information. People would understandably right away say this is crazy. The paternalism at work here from the CDC, we're going to hold back information when they in real time, they pretended, oh, it's so complicated here. Not that complicated in the U.K., not that complicated in Israel. Somehow they're able to do it. We're going to hold back information because it might go out there and what? Conflict with the official narrative. And also, I think, embarrass people. This is the part of it that they don't want it, that even the New York Times doesn't talk about. If you've been pushing this stuff the whole time, you've been firing healthy members of the military who are in their 20s and 30s and 40s because they don't want to get a shot that they clearly do. I mean, we're talking about the boosters. They clearly do not need them based on the CDC's own withholding. How do you make that? How do you make that sense of anything? Well, and also, how about the crony capitalism here? Again, I can't remember very many times where the federal government has tried to mandate that you take a for-profit drug, everyone. And not only that you take it, that you take it twice, and then you take it for a booster, and then you potentially take it for a yearly booster going forward, and they've provided complete immunity to all of the drug makers. And if you look at their earnings reports, we're minting billionaires left and right in this scenario time after time after time. And the way it all shakes out is ultimately the CDC, along with much of the federal government, has failed us. And the question that is out there, and we had the great study from Johns Hopkins that almost no one cited, Buck, the shutdowns, the lockdowns, everything that we've done, according to pretty esteemed scholars at Johns Hopkins who looked at all the data, effectively had zero impact. So we have destroyed many people's lives out there outside of the virus itself with our response, the response to the virus, not the virus itself. And for what? 
what have we actually gained? It's the biggest public policy failure in this country since Vietnam may well be even bigger than that. And when you look at who's implicated in it, Clay, this is why everyone needs to make sure they don't let them do what they want to do now, which is move past this as fast as possible. Oh, it's great. We're going to even in New York, I'm sure at some point they'll lift the mask mandates. Even you were just in California, Clay, Los Angeles, right? It's it's looser there. Nobody's in. Nobody was enforcing it when I was there. It's going to be it's going to be better this spring. It's going to be better this summer. There needs to be accountability. Okay, there needs to be a reckoning with what has happened here, because the implications of this are that the uh, the media apparatus in, in this country, and it's also, remember, the global health apparatus is also a thing. Yeah, you have the World Health Organization, but you have all these different government health apparatuses that talk to each other, that communicate, that share policy prescriptions. And th- this is a level of wrong that we have really never seen before in our lifetimes from all the people who think that they should be in charge. The media the Democrat elites, the the bureaucrats within uh, the bureaucrats within governments all over the world. So they're going to do everything they can to rewrite this history as fast as possible. We have to not allow that. We have to actually hold up the mirror here and make them look at what they've done. No doubt. And when we come back, the people who are actually standing up the most aggressively, moms and dads all over this country. And if you haven't heard, we've played several of these moms and dads who have gone to talk at their school board. But this is another Northern Virginia school board meeting and a mom brought some receipts and i think you guys are going to absolutely love what she had to bring to bear here and i think all of these and i'll talk about this when we come back and play this clip i think all of these uh sort of viral parent speak uh speaking to school board incidents that have been circulating on social media have had a monumental impact in terms of helping to change the trajectory of this story and help to return some forms of freedom uh, to people all over the country. We'll play that cut for you when we come back. In the meantime, it takes a whole lot to switch your cell phone carrier. For a device many of us carry around 12 or more hours of the day and rely on 24-7, you'd think we'd put a little more into the decision on what service to rely on. Good news is you can freely decide which company to rely on. We're big fans of Pure Talk. Instead of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile and their big monthly charges, Pure Talk gives you the same 5G service on the same network as one of those for a fraction of the price. Look at the savings this way. If your family's saving $800 a year and you're with a cell phone company for 10 years before switching, over the next 10 years, that's eight grand in savings, $8,000. Would you switch your cell phone provider if you could save $8,000, keep your phone, and keep your number? That's what Pure Talk offers, big savings without having to switch numbers or phones. And right now, you can get unlimited talk, text, and unlimited data with a hotspot, just 55 bucks a month. Go to puretalk.com, find the plan that's right for you. No contracts, no smoke and mirrors, just pure transparency. For this month only, enter promo code PUREtalk, and you'll save an additional 25% for your first three months. That's puretalk.com, promo code PUREtalk. 
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it it would have been been juicy. The podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Tomorrow, we will be with 45 himself, President Donald Trump from Mar-a-Lago. Today, we are in Palm Beach doing the show. President's Day. I know a lot of you are out and about. I was kind of blown away by how many people all over this area kind of makes sense. I guess the weather's perfect down here. And so many have used President's Day as an excuse to get away for a few days. But I mean, it was crowded. Lots of activity down here. I've never really noticed President's Day as being particularly that uh, buoyant where I live up in Nashville, but it was uh, super busy down here and remains so. So that should be awesome tomorrow. President Trump will be with us right off the start of the program. So uh, right at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. on the West Coast, make sure that you are dialed in and hanging out with us to be able to hear that conversation. But we went to break talking about the New York Times story on CDC data that's not being released and I saw this over the weekend and absolutely loved it. So many parents, moms and dads, but particularly moms, have been willing to speak out against all of these mask mandates, which has become sort of the cultural flashpoint surrounding COVID more so than anything else. Because if you can remove masks from schools, every other restriction, it seems, crumbles around it. And this was Montgomery County, Virginia. 
a school board member goes into a fit when a mom says, hey, we need to do away with uh, with masks here in schools. And oh, by the way, I've got pictures. I got receipts of school board members who have been caught out in public without wearing masks. This is what it sounded like in Montgomery County, Virginia. Mom was ready. Miss Cass, you also yelled at me the last time I was here for taking off my mask. But here's a picture of you right here on Facebook with a crowd of people. That's it. With no mask on. Uh, this Excuse is my me. time and I don't no. interrupt you. Here's another picture no. with you with a no mask on. I'm sorry, Miss Vaught, you are done. If you are going to sit there and disparage a member of our school board, then you can sit down. Can we have a police officer, please? She should be able to say her piece. I've had to listen to people come and criticize me. People came here and they talked about your mask to your face. They showed pictures of your family. Yeah, they did worse. That's my family. That is all. Then fine. What do you think about our family? I am not. Our family is being suffocated today. I'm done. I think this is fantastic. How amazing by the way. is this? This is the best. First of all, you're seeing right away from the school board member the tyrannical Fauciite impulse with you be quiet. You let's get the police in here. This is over masking, right? I mean, yes. this is over such a It's a public right. forum. It's right. not like this woman just stormed. Did, if you did, watch the video, she's talking for her two or yeah. three minute window she here. She didn't show up in this woman's living room or something. She's not trespassing. She's speaking, but the school board member obviously doesn't like it. But mask hypocrisy. Look, one of the things that the, the Democrats did very early on is they really embraced the whole notion of wearing the mask as a virtue signal, right? I'm yes. a good person. I care about the community. And people can get addicted to that over the time. Over time, they can realize, oh, all I have to do is this, and I'm one of the good, smart. It's like saying, I believe in climate change. Like you're one of the good, smart, nice people. You've done nothing. But that's what the masking was for a lot of people, and obviously the school board member who doesn't mask up a lot, Clay, is one of them. Oh, she was phenomenal. And if you want to watch that video, it's out. Uh, you can find it at Clay Travis. But. There have been so many what I would call heroes, parents who have been willing to stand up against this. And you saw how quickly so many of these school board members fold and or demand protection when their own hypocrisy is pointed out to them. I mean, the, the school board member posted these photos on Facebook. It's not as if you know the, the woman did some sort of uh, the deep dive in to get secret photos. She was saying, how dare you share these? I mean, it's the very essence of what we have seen. Every major, it feels like, Democratic politician who is most committed to masks has been caught flagrantly violating their own prohibitions. Thinking about splurging on yourself for some of the most comfortable gear you can wear? Well, one of the great discoveries Clay and I have made this past year was Tommy John. Whether it's their loungewear, their t-shirts, their hoodies, or their underwear, when you're wearing Tommy John, you're that much more comfortable so you can do everything better. With dozens of comfort innovations, once you've tried Tommy John underwear, you're never going back. Here's one example for the guys in this audience, the Tommy John hammock pouch underwear. The fabric itself is moisture wicking with four times the stretch of competing brands. Plus, they design it so the legs never ride up. The waistband is non-rolling, the perfect fit. Look, shipping and returns are free because every pair is backed by Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee. Get 20% off your first order right now at TommyJohn.com slash buck. That's TommyJohn.com slash buck for 20% off. Tommy John, T-O-M-M-Y, TommyJohn.com slash Buck. See site for detail. I mean, we've been saying for a while now, uh, Willie, uh, it could happen any day. Uh, today could be that day. And what tells you that? 
Well, again, I think this uh, it's a combination of the, the intelligence that we've been seeing. Quite frankly, it's also uh, right out there in plain sight. Willie, just look at what uh, Richard was just reporting uh, from the eastern part of Ukraine. Look at what you can see on commercial satellite imagery. Uh, they continue to move these forces closer to the border, uncoiling, as Secretary Austin put it in Lithuania the other day. Uh, so we're seeing it across a range of different uh, different sources. Welcome back to the Clay and Buck Show. There you had the Pentagon spokesman saying... Today could be the day for a Russian invasion of Ukraine. We've been watching this now for what feels like weeks and perhaps longer, really. The buildup started before the end of last year. And now what we've got is at least what could be some sense of the early phase of the Putin-backed incursion. So, Clay, what's going on right now is you've got Putin apparently had a meeting of his uh, Security Council today, which has been described, Daily Mail describing it as bonkers, in which the decision it was made to defend the seven, this is in quotes, of course, defend the separatist regions of Donetsk and Luhansk. Now, those are the two parts of eastern Ukraine that have been de facto Russian controlled separatist regions now stretching back to 2014. Who was president in 2014 again? Oh, that's right. Interesting. We'll get into this in a moment. But Democrats are in charge. Putin gets really aggressive. Trump is the Russian agent, they said. And they were real quiet for about four years on this stuff. But the the idea here would be a false flag operation, um, perhaps, or some kind of provocation in those two regions where they say that they've been attacked. There are already some efforts to evacuate russians are evacuating in ukraine the people in the separatist regions because they say ukraine clay as i know this is it's it's but it's meant to be confusing and crazy and you know not really believable and yet creating some fig leaf they're they're trying to pull people out of these regions so then they say ukraine is attacking so then russia will attack and this is the whole idea of how they'll then claim to be defending Russian-speaking peoples. We have a very complicated situation. We have a lot of people around the border. Here's the issue. On the outside of this, the only thing that's going to stop it, and I'm not sure anything really can stop it at this point. I think if Putin decides to go in, he's going in. I don't think anyone can stop him. Uh, or There's nothing on the table that would stop him right now. But there's certainly pressure that could be brought diplomatically and from the U.S. side and the European allied side of things. You want to know who's in charge. Here is the kind of stuff that I think does not make Putin stay up late at night with worry. Play 14. Can you explain to Americans what exactly will they face if if this happens? Sure. As the president talked about in his speech, um, we are aware that, again, when America stands for her principles and all of the things that we hold dear, um, it requires sometimes for, for us to put ourselves out there in a way that maybe we will incur some cost. And in this situation, um, that may relate to energy costs, for example. But we are taking very specific and appropriate, I believe, steps to mitigate what that cost might be if it happens. Why does Kamala always sound like the student that didn't do the homework but is trying to answer the question anyway? I, I don't even understand her analysis or answer there at all. But this is... One of the weirdest stories that I can ever remember, not just Kamala's involvement, but it is funny, as you pointed out <clears throat> several weeks ago, 
the idea that America is more concerned about Ukraine's border than we are our own southern border is at this point without dispute. But, Buck, to have this play out, this has to be an incredible intelligence world that we're in because basically you're playing out in real time everything publicly in terms of, hey, we expect they're going to go in. Remember last week we were told, hey, we expect that the invasion is going to happen on Wednesday. Uh, I think the 16th was the discussion point of when we expected them to go. And then it's, oh, we expect them to go in over the weekend. Well, Biden is now very assured that Putin is actually going to invade. And we get all these very specific, detailed uh, briefings and leaks about what's going on in Ukraine. Now the Olympics is over, which has been one of the questions I had. Was Putin ever going to actually invade while China was hosting uh, the uh, the Olympics, given the relationship now between Putin and Z. But all of this is really a strange gobbledygook, for lack of a better way of describing it. So, I mean, my question is, are you more convinced now that Putin is going to go in than you were last week? Less convinced? How would you analyze all of the different conflicting data sets out there in terms of what Putin's going to actually do? I think he's going in, and I think... The question that I can't that I mean, no one knows. Right. But the the one that I still go back and forth on is, will it be a blitzkrieg style go all in all at once, multiple fronts of attack against Ukraine to try to not just seize a critical infrastructure and destroy any major military sites the Ukrainian armed forces have, but to topple the government as fast as possible, to essentially just make this the Blitzkrieg. I mean, we know what the word means, right? Lightning war. Um, that's one option. The other, though, when they're talking, Clay, about these separatist regions of Luhansk and Donetsk and the possibility of recognize, officially recognizing these breakaway regions, you may have uh, what I would call dynamic incursion where they're going to escalate and then maybe de-escalate a little bit and escalate and then de So that would mean they, they put troops. But let's say they just put troops in Luhansk and Donetsk. And then all these other troops sort of sit there as a reminder to the Ukrainian government, don't go into those areas and try to actually take them back. We're officially seizing them now. What are you going to do about it with 130,000 plus Russian troops on the periphery? And then they consolidate that area and then maybe they take something else. So there, I think there are two pathways they could take, but the not going to do anything military, just want concessions. How, how could Putin, I mean, this isn't saber rattling. This is, you know, waving your sword around the air like a crazy person and making demands. I mean, people wouldn't, I, I, I think that you can't go to this length just for diplomatic concessions because Putin will want to do that again in the future on other things. And unless he mobilizes effectively a full invasion army, people aren't going to want to pay much attention to him, I think. I mean, again, there are also people who said that Putin maybe has just gone a little bit crazy. Well, and, and that's the number one question I hear is, if Russia's not going to invade, what are they trying to get? What It would be easier to understand to me if you could say, hey, this is the tangible goal. This is what he's negotiating towards, and he's willing to put all these men and materials right on the edge, the precipice of war, in order to do it. It doesn't feel like there's some grand uh, gain that he's going to receive without invading. Yeah, everyone's been saying if you could get a guarantee, for example, that Ukraine would never enter NATO. That's that's one of the big things people talk. There's 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 oil and gas pipelines and concessions and economic things that I'm sure would also that also are already in the picture. But okay, let's say that there. What is that promise? We 
I mean, the promise of the Budapest Memorandum, which said that Russia, England, and America, or Russia, the UK, and America would defend Ukraine, that's not looking like such a great promise anymore. Well, and, and, and telling Ukraine, hey, if you give up your nuclear weapons, you'll never have to worry about your defense either, which they did. I, yeah, I'm not, not trying to be uh, you know smug about this, folks. It's a very serious issue, but one of the lessons of this is never give up your nukes. We've been talking about that. That's real. Never. You know, you're seeing this throughout history. Don't give up your nukes. That's real. And then what what would a promise not to have Ukraine and NATO look like when, as far as Putin's concerned, what if in five years they change their minds? So that's why I think he's going in. I just don't know if it's going to be a step-by-step escalation to seize pieces of territory or it's the all-out war right away that some people, I think, are very concerned could break out literally any minute at this point no doubt and we've been sort of on tenterhooks for that entire process throughout in the meantime we'll come back continue to break all this down hope you're having a fantastic president's day long president's day weekend by the way this is where i think the super bowl should be good idea that if you watch the super bowl on sunday everybody has an opportunity to get back in working order get over the hangover everything else with president's day immediately after the super bowl it should be in my if i were in charge of the calendar that's a move that i would make a magic wand move that i would wave uh your personal data always at risk of being stolen particularly online during this pandemic cyber hacks uh, are uh, evolving and becoming more elaborate. Cyber hackers are getting better and better at figuring ways around the new forms of online security companies have installed. That leaves you and your data more exposed. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. Every day we get our information at risk on the Internet. In an instant, a cyber criminal can steal what's yours, sometimes even harm your finances, your credit, your reputation, Good thing there's LifeLock. LifeLock helps detect a wide range of identity threats, like someone using your credit card info to make their own purchases without your knowledge. If they detect your info has potentially been compromised, they'll send you an alert. It's a text or a call or an email or all three. And if you're a victim, they'll assign a dedicated restoration specialist who will save you hours of hassle and help you with the right connections. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses but you can help protect what's yours with LifeLock by Norton. Join now and save 25% off your first year by using promo code CLAY. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or go online to LifeLock.com and use the promo code CLAY for 25% off. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, 
It, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is perfect weather down here in Palm Beach where we are. We will be with President Trump himself, 45 at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific at Mar-a-Lago tomorrow. That is why we are down here prepping for that. Should be a lot of fun for all of you as well as for us. I don't think anybody on the crew has ever been to Mar-a-Lago before, so I'm just kind of interested to see uh, what is reportedly a spectacular club. Just walk through and check it out uh, right there uh, where it is located here in Palm Beach. But we got a bunch of you who want to weigh in for a variety of different topics we've been talking about so far in the first hour of the program. Let's head out to Phoenix, Arizona with Jason, where we are right now, I believe, number one in the Phoenix, Arizona market. We thank all of you who are listening there to us. And Jason, what you got for us? Hey, guys. Uh, Clan Bug doing a great job filling in for Rush, so I appreciate what thank you guys do. But, uh Something just kind of dawned on me, you know, I was kind of late tuning in today and I, I realized even for myself, you know, now that COVID and I'm blessed to live where we're at in the state I live in, but it's kind of calmed down. It's not the headline every day. Well, now, now uh, Ukraine is. So I feel, and it just kind of dawned on me, it's like it's manipulating because I, I really don't care. I mean, we care about our country, things like that, but all of a sudden it's tomorrow. It, it was Wednesday. No, it's going to be Thursday. And it's just, and we're just like pulling from a string and they just kind of, we're just coming along exactly as they want us to. And Number one, it's, I don't know, I think it, they think we're, we're foolish. And when you guys have said that before, but it makes you wonder what else they're doing, right? Because we're focused here. What are we doing over there? You know, you're arguing about masks and you're teaching your kids to be racist or to not be racist, whatever. So I don't know, just kind of dawned on me. I wanted to share. And uh, I'm sure you guys will have a, a way to yeah. break that down and make it logical. Uh, sure. No, th- thank you so much for calling in. I mean, I would say anything that the biden administration can can have to discuss that's not the failures of domestic policy from from a politics perspective they they would rather be talking about ukraine and and this is also a conflict we aren't in and i know everyone says yet but you know hopefully never but so it it gives them an opportunity to talk about things and diplomacy and you know the the latte sipping crowd in in brussels and and in various european capitals would be, I think, uh, it's easy for the Democrats to use this as a means of shifting attention. But that all said, we may be on the we may be on the precipice of a real military conflict here, and and that it could get very very ugly very quickly. So you know that that's real. That part of it, obviously, we we're going to talk about it. It is, I guess, what I'm saying is, it's a news story. 
a major news story and one that has implications for domestic politics. I do not think domestic politics are dry. Our domestic politics are driving the news story. I think there's just so few things that Biden can focus on right now that are not a disaster. And Ukraine is in many ways a distraction from inflation here, from the border here, from the murder rate here, from COVID here. So if you are losing on all four of those fronts domestically, which I think Joe Biden is, then having a international incident to focus on that hopefully from his perspective, he could end up uh, being able to resolve without leading to war it would at least be something he could point to, particularly in the wake of what was the unmitigated disaster of Afghanistan. I mean, we've talked about this before, Buck, that if you just pretend you have to spin in favor of Joe Biden, right, you have to argue in front of him, which is what lawyers do, right? You have to be a client for uh, your client sometimes to someone you might not agree with. I don't even know what they can sell right now. What is he selling on March 1st when he shows up for the State of the Union address? Yeah, the end of the pandemic, which they obviously made a, a horrible mess of. It, 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 the number they really can't hide from more than anything else is with the mass vaccination campaign and the mandatory components of it, you still somehow had more people die under Biden than under Trump. And in a comparable, even if you change it so that it's only 10 months against 10 months in a comparable period of time, year in year, you know, year over year, that's just, you can't spin that. You can't spin the same way you can't spin inflation. I and mean, this is the, the issue the Democrats are having is that these are things that people see, feel, and know. There's hard data and there's hard reality around this. So that's why, oh, talking about international diplomacy, what's going on in, in Ukraine, is certainly a worthwhile political distraction for the Democrats. That all said, I do think Putin's probably going in, and it's going to get a very, very ugly quickly when he does so. Uh, Kim in Ohio is a data analyst. Got some thoughts on the CDC numbers. Hey, Kim. Hello, thank you for your time. I want to tell you how much I appreciate the scrutiny you bring to various issues as you draw light to things that are often ignored. Thank you. I work a lot with data, and um, I have various graduate degrees in mathematics and statistics. And so what I do is I examine data and provide uh, suggestions to business, to education firms, and to government agencies. So one of the biggest problems we have with the CDC not releasing data is that it obfuscates the research process. It denies the peer review critique that can enrich the research outcome. It denies scrutiny from every part of the research, from the definitions that you use to set up the research, from the design of the research project, how data is collected, how it's uh, analyzed, how it's interpreted, and then what outcomes do you recommend? By denying that process and by denying the release of the data for, for scrutiny from people such as myself, what you're doing is you're hiding data and you are, you know, out of fear that somebody might have an analysis that differs from yours. And so it really breaks down and uh, denies this entire peer review process that allows us to separate out quality data from inferior data, poor research designs from good research designs, and it leads to faulty outcomes. And in this case, with it being a pandemic, it can actually cost lives. That's so well said. And and look, the reality is, does anyone believe that the data that they are not sharing would make things less uh, 
structured in terms of demanding mandates. That's the other thing. It creates more conspiracy theories than it would possibly, I think, create if they just released all the data. Because people assume that things are the worst that they could be. We should always know what the truth is during a pandemic. And no one has any right to hide it from us. But we won't hide it from you, folks. And we're going to find it. We're also going to talk about the Canadian truckers coming up in a few minutes. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the front lines of truth. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 